Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Joel. Glad you're here. We're finishing our series this week called Go to the Great City. We're on week four of four. We've been walking through Jonah together. First week, we talked about the fact that we have the hope of the city. We are the hope of the city. Then after that, we talked about God's grace for our lives. Man, God's so gracious, loves us so much. Then last week, we talked about how compassion shifts the culture in our hearts, in our cities. And this week, we're talking about redeeming the city, bringing it back to God. And I don't know about you, but I want God to use my life. Do you want God to use your life? Good, I'm in the right room this morning. You got enough sleep, you want God to use your life, that's good, that's awesome. You know, we, I just think we're made for more than like 13 to 20 years of schooling and then 40 years of working and then 20 years of rotting on a porch. You were made for more than that. And uh, Jonah has this, this, you know, God wants to use him and does use him in an amazing way. And we've been seeing that happen throughout the story and here we are today, Jonah chapter four, we're finishing the story, but before we go and read Jonah chapter four, which we're gonna in a minute, I'm gonna read from the CSB. If you wanna read along, grab it in the U version. Maybe bring your Bible to church, good idea. Or you can look at it on the screens, doesn't matter, whatever way you're gonna do it, just read the Bible with me this morning because you'll get more out of it if you read along with me. But what happens is Jonah in chapter three, he finally goes and he preaches to the city and what happens? Exactly what God said would happen. The city turns from their wicked ways and they, they repent and they turn to our great God. And I'll, I'll start on the end of chapter three and we'll go through four this morning. So God relented from the disaster that he had threatened them with. He did not do it. How good is God? Took care of these people. And here comes Jonah. What's Jonah? What happens with Jonah? Chapter four, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Come on, Jonah. You're still not getting it. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord. Isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. So he quotes Exodus 34, 6 there. And he's like, I know, he knows about God. He obviously knows the word of God. And he's annoyed at how gracious God is. Oh, Jonah, you silly little guy. We're going to continue here. Now the, and then, so Jonah keeps, he's mad at God. He says to God, now, Lord, take my life from me, for it's better for me that I die than live. Jeez, Jonah. The Lord asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city, found a place east of it, made himself a little shelter, sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. And Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. Ooh, this is nice. The sun's not bothering me anymore. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and withered it. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so much 
that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me that I die than live. And then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord God said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 who cannot dis distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. God, thank you for your word in Jonah. Thank you for how you are guiding us back to you always. I pray that today we could look at this word and allow it to work on our hearts as we seek you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Something that's true about the book of Jonah, Jonah's life, and for us, is that God's, God's vision is greater than your feelings. God's vision is greater than your feelings. Jonah could not get past his feelings. Jonah set up his little camp so he could watch the city perish. <clears throat> Can't stand these people. I'm gonna sit here on my hill and hopefully God changes his mind and destroys them. Jonah's so petty. But God had a better vision. God's vision was to save the city. Have you ever done something that you knew you shouldn't have done and you look back on it, you're like, why did I do that? But you did it because of how you were feeling in the moment. Come on, let's be honest. Our feelings got the best of us. And you, you look back and you go, what was I thinking? Well, you weren't thinking, you were feeling. God has a better vision for your life than your current feelings. And what does he tell us in Jeremiah chapter 17? He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. He's like, you know, who can understand it? That heart, man, it'll, it'll mess with you. And so when the world is saying, oh, just follow your heart, they'll say it in ways like, just do what makes you feel good. Like, life is too short. You just do it. They're saying, follow, the world says follow your heart. God says, do not follow your heart, whatever you do. That heart will mess you up. And Jonah's heart leads him to what? Being alone, acting small, getting angry. Eh, I can't stand these guys. Man, if we're going to reach the city, we're going to have to guard our hearts, not follow our hearts. Lord says, cursed is the man who trusts in men. That's what he says in Jeremiah chapter 17 before this, when he's talking about the heart. He says, cursed is the one who trusts in man. As we reach people in our city and in our lives, we're going to have moments where people let us down. But we cannot stop that from, uh, from us loving and reaching people. But you can't do it for people. Don't do it for people. People will mess you up. You know, right around the time when we started this series, man, I was just feeling so inspired. I was like, oh, God, just use my life. I, I just want to make an impact on the city. And late one night, I was on Kijiji. You ever use the Kijiji app or Facebook Marketplace? Hey, is this available? Is this available? Is this available? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I was up late one night, and I was flipping through Kijiji, which is already a bad decision. Uh, but then it led me to making a good decision. I know at night, it's like we think it's a good decision. We wake up in the morning. I don't want to buy that thing. But that, that night, I ended up stumbling upon an ad for somebody looking for a jacket, and they ha happened to be the same size as me. They kind of talked about how life had been rough. They'd been going through some stuff, and they just really needed a winter coat. And it was like the cold week that we had a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, God's going to use my life. 
I'm going to give this person a jacket, going to give them some more things, and just was just so excited. I'm like, yes, God, you, God, this was you. This was a divine appointment on Kijiji this evening. And so I, I start chatting back and forth with the person, and I'm, I'm, I'm scheduling it all. Okay, well, I'm going to come to your house tomorrow. It's going to be great. And I just, I like go upstairs. I'm packing some backpacks, giving this nice big puffy coat and some clothes. I was so excited. I'm like, man, God's using my life. This is going to be amazing. But it started to get into my head, uh, this reaction that was going to happen from the person. You ever watch those TikTokers? You know, those TikTok kids, they go around filming themselves, doing good things. The person's like, oh, you're so nice, blah, blah, blah. I started to sort of envision this happening in my mind. And, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a beautiful moment. And I was like, my heart was pumping, so excited. I roll to this person's house. I've been chatting with them back and forth all day. Hey, I'm on my way. I'm coming. Oh, man, so I'm going to bless this guy. Mine's going to be blown. I even wrote a little verse on the thing. You know, God loves you, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's going to just like accept Jesus right here. It's going to be beautiful. Get to the person's house. They're not answering anymore. I'm like, what? I'm like, come on. I message him. Hey, I'm out here. I'm freezing because I'm giving you my code. <laughs> and, and, you know, where are you? And they're just ghosting me, ghosting me, ghosting me. What the heck? So I'm standing out there for like 10 minutes. I finally just put the clothes on the ground. And I'm like, all right, God, it's at this point I realize I got to give this to you. And uh, so I, I finally, you know, I leave it there. I say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it. Didn't hear from him. Didn't hear from him. Messaged him like an hour later. Did you get the clothes? Didn't hear from him. Didn't hear. Like 12 hours later, he just replies, yes. <laughs> My point being, don't do things for people. Do them for God. Man, don't do, don't do things to get a reaction out of people. Don't try and, you know, spread God's love because you're doing it for yourself to make yourself feel good. Like one of those TikTokers, go do it for God. You'll see God move. And Jonah is stuck here in this verse, living his life like a vocal warm-up. You might not know what a vocal warm-up sounds like because you're not here when the worship team warms up, but I am here. And you know what they sound like? They sound like this. Me, 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 me. My, 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 my. I'm not saying that this is how they talk, but this is the use sounds like this. I was supposed to warm up when I was on the worship team. Never did it, but I would hear people. Me, 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 me. My, 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 my. This is what Jonah's thinking that day. All about me. We do the same dang thing. You got to overcome your feelings before they overcome you. Jonah's overcome by feelings that day, how he's feeling in the moment. So what do we got to do? We got to overcome our feelings before they overcome us. Last couple weeks, told a couple stories about my brother Isaac. Didn't even realize it. My friend Brian Alexander, a great man of God. If you know him, you love him. He texted me this week. You know, twice in a row, you told negative stories about your brother Isaac. I was like, dang it, Brian. Thank you for pointing that out. So this week, I'm like, I'm going to redeem. We're talking about redeeming the city. I'm going to redeem myself. I was like on the hunt for positive stories about my younger brother, Isaac. It was hard to find. But, but luckily, the Lord led me to something. And, uh, and so one day, it was about, I want to say it was about seven years ago. We were in, um, we were in Calgary for my younger brother, Daniel's bachelor party, having a good time. We're behaving ourselves, hanging out, having some fun. And we're walking through this mall for some reason. And we're walking through this mall 
And we see these two young men being so angry and swearing and they're crazy, like most Calgarians. They're just bad, seem like they're just acting bad. Um, but, they're, but they're up there and they're just, they're, they're, the guys are swearing away. And there was a, an elderly lady in front of them. And I thought, are they swearing at this lady? And my feelings start to well up inside, like, oh, not while we're around. Okay, you got some men of God here. And my, you know, I'm like, my feelings, I'm just sorry, ah, I'm getting angry. And they're swearing, they're being crazy. I don't even remember what they're saying, but there was nasty words, like not three-letter ones, but really bad four-letter ones. And, and they're just going crazy. Anyways, we kind of get onto the elevator. There's about six of us, there's two of them. We, we sort of get onto the elevator at the same time. You know, when your group kind of staggers, it's like awkward, I'll go, you go. And we, we kind of go together and they keep swearing, keep swearing. Finally, my brother, my, the, my man of God, brother Isaac, he just pipes up. He's like, what's it? Like, stop, stop acting like this. You guys are crazy. Like, what's wrong with you? And, and he, this guy turns around. He starts cursing out my brother Isaac. What's your problem? I'm like, oh my gosh. And so the good older brother in me because there's a bad older brother in, in all older brothers, but there's a good one too. The good older brother in me, my feelings start to well up inside. I'm like, you don't mess with my brother like this. You're messing with that older lady. You don't mess with my brother like this. But I'm, I'm kind of staggered. I can't get down to the, the guy who's going nuts on my brother. And I'm like, I gotta stop this. I gotta do something. My feelings are welling up. I'm angry. And finally, the, the guy who was swearing and going nuts, his friend was standing right in front of me. I didn't know what to do. I just pushed him down the escalator. He just starts tumbling down. Everybody's falling over like bowling pins. Bah, 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 bah. We get to the bottom of that escalator. People start swinging. All of a sudden, it's a fight. It's like, what is happening? Security guard comes in, breaks it up, kicks us all out of the mall. It was nonsense. When we were done this whole ordeal, I'm like, what just happened? Part of me is like, praise God, we stood up for injustice today. <laughs> The other part of me is like, what is wrong with you? That wasn't you. But what happens? My feelings overcame me. I was overcome by my feelings. And that's what happens to Jonah on this day. Instead of celebrating what God was doing in the city through Jonah's prophecy, Jonah's all upset, overcome by his feelings. He goes out, he builds himself a shelter. He's all sad and angry, overcome by his feelings. But if Jonah had went back into the city, he would have seen how God was working on the Ninevites' hearts. He would have seen his enemies turn from their evil ways to this amazing God that we serve. Man, if we're gonna reach people far from God, we're gonna have to overcome some feelings. How? Well, there's a lot of ways to overcome feelings, but if I could just give you one thing this morning, you need the right friends in your life. The right friends will help you gain the right perspective. The right friends will know God's call for your life and know when you're, you're, you're talking and acting the wrong way that's not in align with God's will for your life. The right friends help you gain the right perspective, perspective if you let them. Imagine if Jonah had the right friends. He's alone, sitting in his little sulking shelter. I built this shelter to watch a city burn. But if he had the good friends, if he had the right friends, Say, like, Jonah, get back in the city. Jonah, look at the church that God is building because of your evangelism in the city. Jonah, your church is bigger than Joel Osteen's church. Come on, Jonah. You're making an impact for God. 
Don't get mad that it's actually working. The king is bowing down and telling the people to do the same. If only Jonah had some good friends to help him with his perspective. Jonah could have stayed in the city and enjoyed the fruit of what God was doing. He could have been walking around the city, you know, people going, aren't you that prophet? Oh, aren't you the one that saved us? Aren't you the one that told us what God, what God said? Oh man, we love you. Jonah, you're getting some Yeezys from the city. Then you end up on Preachers and Sneakers. You ever seen that Instagram account? Okay, anyways, it doesn't matter. But we could have been celebrated in Nineveh. Instead, he's alone on this hill, whining. The right friends will help you gain a good perspective. The wrong friends will just agree with you in your rotten attitude. Good friendship has some friction. And if somebody calls you out, that means they love you. Good friendship has some friction. Hey, you might want to think a little bit differently. Why? Because your thinking is too small for your calling. I don't know what the calling on every single person's life in this room is, but I promise you, you're thinking too small. I know because I've been doing it too. We just need to, we need to think bigger about what God wants to do in our lives. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he use us? Why wouldn't we make ourselves available? God, man, there's so much need in the world. Who, who's going to do anything about it? The Christians. Our, our, man, we, our thinking's too small for our calling. We, we had this young man here. His name was Elijah Lamb. And he was this like TikToker dude. He was really cool. 22-year-old guy. I like this guy. And I, we, I was like not 100% sure how it was going to go. But we're like, let's, let's have him in and let him preach to the youth and the young adults and see what happens. I went for dinner with him one night. I think it was the, the last night he was here, we went for dinner. And I was like, I, I, was, I was so impressed with this guy. And we were just talking, talking, talking. All of a sudden, he says something along the lines of, you know, every single pastor I've ever met, their vision's too small. I was like, dang, you're 22, man, chill. And uh, he didn't say it, but it was insinuated that he was like, yourself included. Um, <laughs> and and I, I was like, man, this guy is intense. This, this guy's legit. And I was, so I immediately was like, okay, well, what's your vision? And as quick as he possibly could, looked me dead in the eyes and said, world domination. <laughs> you, can, you can think it's silly, but what I love about this young man is that he's thinking big about what God wants to do in his life. And, you know, go on to find out he's hosting a Bible study in his house once a week with like 40, 50 people showing up. And he's gotten people from the entertainment industry in LA coming out to his Bible study, making an impact on people in LA and seeing God do amazing things. You know, he's hosting people who feel like maybe church, um, they feel a little bit jaded towards the church. He's hosting them at his house for two weeks, 20 people at a time to, to just to encourage them about the church being the hope of, of the world and the future. It's, it's amazing. Get yourself around some big thinkers who live for something bigger than themselves. Jonah's such a small thinker. God has a great vision for the city, but Jonah's feelings get in the way. He's more excited about a plant than God saving people's lives. Think about, just take a moment and think about a, a selfish person. Might sound kind of harsh, but we, when we think about selfish people, someone might come to mind. Just pause for a second, think about that. That person did not become that way intentionally. They became that way by not guarding their heart. So you don't need to be taught how to be selfish. 
Ask my kids. So selfish. I, I, I don't wake up in the morning and tell them, guys, make sure you fight with each other, okay? Make sure, you know, you just live for yourself today. Just, it, it's just natural. So what we have to do is we have to fight against selfishness. We have to intentionally wake up and say, no, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We're not selfish people. Selfish people think small, but God made us in his image. We serve a God that is not selfish. We serve a God that could have been selfish, could have been like, you know what? If I create humans, they're just gonna do, you know, the opposite of what I tell them and mess everything up. No, God knew the risk of making us. But what did he, what did he do anyway? He sent his son. He redeemed us back to him. We serve a God. How many people are thankful that God is not selfish, that he loves us, gives us a second chance, always tries to find a way to get back to us when we run away from him? Instead of staying alone, God made a garden. And he gave us life. When we messed that up, he sent his son. But we get to live in this beautiful garden. What are we to do in this garden? Paul tells us, Ephesians 4, the back half of 4 verse 1, says, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Turn to your neighbor, say, how you living? Turn to your other neighbor, say it a little louder. How you living? Live a life worthy of the calling you received. Is your life headed in the direction of your calling? We limit our impact by our small thinking. God just used Jonah to change the city, to shift the culture of the city. Just like Jonah, God has a great calling on your life. But we limit it by our small thinking. What does Jonah care about most? His own comfort. I just want some shade. The sun is kind of hot today. I forgot my SPF 50. I, I need to get a leaf to come over and help me out. I wonder if that's how we feel sometimes. How often do you need God's help with your calling? See, because we live in a great country and we're so blessed, so well taken care of. How often do we need God's help in our life? If you don't need to rely on the power of God, are you really in the will of God? If we're like just floating through life, you know, church is good, fun, whatever. Life is all good. If you don't need to rely on the power of God, are you really in the will of God? How often do you need God's help to help somebody else? God uses people who are willing to step out of their comfort. Paul was doing his, his thing, living his way. God gets a hold of him. And then he's radically changed. Lives the rest of his life as a prisoner for the Lord at times. How about those disciple fishermen? They got a good job, good career. Jesus says, drop your nets, come follow me. Imagine that. It's like, I got bills to pay. I got to, I got to, you know, I got to get that money. Got to get that fish. Got to take care of things. Jesus is like, drop it now. Can you imagine just walking away from your paycheck that day? Follow me. How about Billy Graham? Night after night after night on crusade. He'd go on crusades for like 12 weeks at a time. And God used his life to change so many people. Or how about his wife, Ruth, who's the real legend, who's at home raising the five kids alone while Billy's out doing crusades. Hmm. To become one. Every single person that his life impacted her was impacted because of her life as well. 
or John Wimber, the founder of Vineyard Churches. This man would get up on Sunday and every week pray for people's healing. He'd do an altar call at the end of every service and pray for people's healing. And for 10 years, nobody got healed. His church thought he was nuts. People would, would just, they'd come, they'd leave. They'd just think there's something wrong with that guy. But after 10 years of faithfulness, something happened. People started to get healed week after week after week. And a whole movement of vineyard churches started because of John Wimber willing to be uncomfortable and pray every Sunday morning, God, would you heal people today? Remember, God doesn't think as small as we do. But there's good news. Romans chapter 11, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. What's the gift that God has given you that's been sitting there, maybe a little bit dormant, maybe just waiting for you to sort of wake up to the fact that God made you in a specific way for a reason? What's the calling you sense in your heart? What are the areas in your life that people notice, hey, there's, I think there's something here. How can you use that to help turn people towards Jesus? His gift and his call is irrevocable. It doesn't matter if you're eight years old or 80 years old. That calling's still in your life. Those gifts are still in your life. No matter how long those gifts and callings stay dormant, his gifts and call are irrevocable. And God, he comforts Jonah in this moment. I'll tell you, our comfort does not override our calling. Our comfort does not override our purpose. God's comfort does not override God's calling. Thank you, God, that you're a God of comfort. <laughs> God gave Jonah comfort when he needed it. God provided that vine. In 4.6, it says, then the Lord appointed the plant. God did that. God took care of him that day. Grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head and rescue him from his trouble. I'll just stop and say, if you're at a place today where you're like, I don't know if I can keep going forward. I need God to do something. I'm, I need comfort. Can I just tell you God's faithful and wants to comfort you? Loves you so much. If you feel drained, if you feel like, man, you're talking about some purpose and moving forward. Am I, I just, that's not what I need right now. Can I just tell you, God will provide comfort for you. God always comforts us when we need it. Jonah is like, Jonah does not deserve comfort in this moment. God puts this great call in his life. He's disobedient. Jonah's being selfish, whiny, and petty. He doesn't deserve to be comforted by God this moment, yet God still comes through and comforts him. What a good God we serve who gives us comfort when we don't deserve it. But God doesn't leave us comfortable because comfort doesn't override calling. And just like when God sent a storm to mess with Jonah in his sleep, in his comfort, God now sends a worm to mess with Jonah in his comfort. He's not going to leave him there because God cares more about his plan for Jonah's life than Jonah does. I'll tell you, God cares more about his plan for your life than you do. He won't leave you comfortable. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that, everybody say, so that. So that. Hmm. So that. There's a purpose behind this. Not just so we can chill for the rest of our lives, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. God wants to comfort you so that you can comfort those around you. His comfort has a purpose. He provided a leaf to lift Jonah's spirit. As the word says, to rescue him from his trouble. But that's not the end of the story. Because if God just comforts us, we're minimizing what God wants to do. So what's God do? He sends a worm. I say, Jonah, get back out there. I didn't, just, I didn't make you just to be comforted alone. There's more to your life than this. And one of the greatest things you can do with your pain is use it for God's purpose. One of the greatest authors to ever live, or philosophers, whatever you want to call them, was C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis is going through this painful time of losing his wife. And as he loses his wife, he just like his wife, Joy, he's just like, I don't know what to do. And he's just, he's just feeling all kinds of ways. And he starts just writing these letters after he lost his wife. He's writing these letters, writing these letters, ends up putting them in a, a box, I believe. And his family finds this box after he passes. And they put together this beautiful book called The Grief Observed. And in this book, man, God uses C.S. Lewis' pain for purpose to help us in our time of need. It's beautiful. You know, this book, it's not like it's like this guidebook of, hey, here's how you're going to figure out all your pain. But what he does is he really helps you make, makes you feel seen, makes you feel like you're not crazy, makes you feel like, man, if he could go through this, so could I. It's beautiful. God can use your pain for his purpose. And when we love the lost, we redeem the city. You know, as Olaf says, some people are worth melting for. So corny. Come on, dude, finish the message. If we're going to win our family, our neighborhood, our city, we got to care about the comfort of others. Jonah was glad for his own comfort, but not the comfort of his enemies. He cared more for his own personal comfort than the spiritual welfare of thousands. And I love how this author, Donald E. Baker, kind of summarized the end of this book. He wrote this book called Jonah and the Worm. And he, he comments on the whole book of Jonah. This is what he says. Let's analyze this anger of yours, Jonah. It represents your concern over your beloved plant. But what did it really mean to you? Your attachment to it couldn't be very deep for it was here one day and gone the next. Your concern was dictated by self-interest, not by genuine love. You never had the devotion of a gardener. If you feel as bad as you do, what would you expect the gardener to feel like? Who tended a plant, watched it grow, only to see it wither and die. This is how I feel about Nineveh, only much more so. I feel like we could swap out Nineveh God said, this is how I feel about Edmonton. Only so much more. All those people, all those animals, I made them. I have cherished them all these years. Nineveh has cost me no end of effort. It means the world to me. Your pain is nothing compared to mine when I contemplate their destruction. God Thank God he is slow to anger. He was even slow to anger with Jonah. 
God continues to provide these miracles to care for Jonah, the first, the, the whale, and then this leaf. We're so loved, blessed, cared for, and comforted by God. And just like the tree grows over Jonah's head because of God's compassion, he cares for us in so many similar ways. And our city needs the grace and the love that we freely live in. And the funny thing about this story is that the Ninevites are more ready to accept God's grace than Jonah was. And I wonder how many people in our lives and in our city are so ready to accept his grace as well. So do we see the city as an enemy or an opportunity? When I talk about the city being an enemy, it's like, it's not like our minds are like, oh, the city is my enemy. It's just in a more subtle way. It's kind of like, ah, oh, those people are a little bit rough around the edges. I'm not sure about them. It's people at the park, their kids a little bit annoying and rude. And I don't know, I'm not going to interact with them. We're just thinking, ah, I don't know about this woke culture. I don't want my kids anywhere near that stuff. Come on, we can outparent anything or anyone. I don't want to hang out with these kind of worldly people. You know, these little thoughts, whatever it is, maybe you don't think these ways, but if we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts, if, we're not, if we don't keep our hearts soft towards people who are far from him, all of a sudden the city becomes an enemy. And we end up sitting on a hill, watching it perish while only concerned about our own comfort. But Jesus was a friend of sinners and God puts us in these people's lives to reach them for him. Would you stand? I wonder what the impact on our city would be if our church would get just a little bit uncomfortable. How does God want to use your life to reach the city? Who is in your life that God wants to redeem? We're going to pray a prayer in a moment. If you want, you could just, you could bow your head, close your eyes. You could, you don't have to. Do what makes you feel comfortable in this moment. But we're going to pray a prayer together as a church, as a, as a bit of a declaration. I just want to ask you right now to think about someone you love who does not yet know Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer and ask you to repeat after me. And when I say the word name, say their name really loud. Whatever it is, Josh or, you know, Justin, Jacob, whatever. I don't know, Jace. Just say, just say their name really loudly. And we're just declaring, we're just offering these people to God right now and saying, God, I give them to you, but also I am committing to do something about this. So pray this prayer after me and let's, let's, let's believe for these people together. Say, Lord God, thank you for how you love me. Thank you for trusting me with name. Let's do that one again with all of our hearts. Thank you for trusting me with Holy Spirit. Today I ask that you reveal yourself to them. Help me to love them like you love them. I ask that you would grow my faith for their salvation. I believe that they will know your love and believe in you. I commit 
to living a life that will help my friend find your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise. Thank you, Lord. You see these names. Thank you, Father. You love these people. If you're in the room and you feel like that prayer was almost for you, you feel far from God, I just want you to know God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He's got a plan for your life. You might have felt that he's far or distant at times. He was there. He's a personal God. He's the God that sees you. No matter what you've been through, he's been watching you. He's been going through it with you, even protecting you at times. Thank you, God. And he sent his son to die on the cross so that you could be redeemed back to him. There's a gap between us and God and Jesus stands in that gap. He's the only one that could do it because he's the only one that could live a life without any sin. The perfect spotless lamb gave his blood to pay for you so that you could be right with God. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity. If you believe in your heart, to confess it with your mouth right now. I'm gonna ask everybody who calls Celebration Church home, just repeat after me. We're gonna pray with you. We love you. We're so excited about your future with Jesus. Just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and living a perfect life and then dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you're my Lord and God raised you from the dead. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to dwell within me and be with me always. From now on, God, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.